music is usually or traditionally and typically was like, oh, a guy wrote a song about something that happened in his life and now he's singing about it. Where for us, we're we're like writing about things that we would never want to happen and we have no actual relation to. (laughs) We're just kind of like, yeah, let's make a horror story and just make these evil characters and have them do bad things in this song and that's going to be the Mm -hmm. story. Um, So it's a totally different approach and I think that's part of the reason it was taking so much heat, especially back then, is there was just a lack of understanding that we were kind of coming at it from the same direction that a horror movie maker would be coming at it from, which was a much more accepted medium. Today on the 200th episode of the Creative and Balance podcast, we are joined with the legend Alex Webster of Cannibal Corpse. And not only are we celebrating their 35-year legacy, we also got a sneak peek of their brand new album, Chaos Horrific, that is coming out this week on September 22nd. And like all their other records, this one absolutely fucking crushes. In this talk, we learn the secret to the longevity of the band, some deep insight in horror and songwriting, how in modern days they're more accepted, but back in the day were labeled as dangerous, their famous cameo in Ace Ventura Pet Detective, and a lot of other topics and reflections on their 35-year legacy. This was such an honor to pick Alex's brain, and let's get into it right now. Hey, how's it going, man? Great, Alex. Uh, thanks for coming in today. I'm uh, I'm sorry about yeah, that no little problem. code mix-up. Usually it's unlocked and people can just join, but... Yeah, yeah. I was looking on the spreadsheet they gave me of all the interviews and stuff, and I'm like, well, there's no code, but it's asking for one. So anyway, that's why they give me your email for a... Um, you know, any little mix-ups like that, we can just straighten them out. So we're only running behind seven minutes. That's nothing compared to the old days. <laughs> yeah, you know, where you're call, at the venue. Lots of phone like... calls and stuff. Yeah, or waiting for someone to show up. They can't find parking or whatever. So, yeah, no problem. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm feeling your vibes, your optimism today. Like, I really appreciate that. Um, It's so cool to be able to pick your brain on just – the 35 year legacy of your band and uh even like that's such a huge milestone and i feel like today you're celebrating a little milestone with me as well because this is my 200th episode as well so i'm oh, killer it's so sick to have cannibal corpse on that one so awesome well glad to be here and congratulations on 200 episodes man that's a lot Ah, uh, thank you so much and even like just kind of like talking about like the span of time and everything what do you think has been like the secret to your longevity as a band because it's absolutely incredible um i think it's you know i've talked about this a few times now like with other interviews but you know it's the consistency that we've had and it's we've been consistent on a few levels you know um and first i should you know i should preface all this by saying that we've been very lucky too and that can't be discounted it's actually the one of the key ingredients to having a good career is just being lucky enough to be at the right place at the right time for certain key things and we have been but but yeah the things that we've done to help take advantage of the luck that we've been given is to stay consistent you know um we never really took any time off the only time off that we've taken really was you know the time off that we all had to just take in 2020 and 2021 you know where really there was no touring but other than that if you look at our career since the very beginning we've been steadily doing shows lots of you know touring we've been putting out albums regularly so 
I think there's consistency on that end of things. There's consistency in that we haven't had a whole lot of lineup changes in the band over the years. And then the other thing that we're pretty consistent about is the style of the band. I mean, when we do a live show, we're playing songs from all different parts of our band's career. And I feel like they all work well together. It doesn't sound like something is really out of place. Like we've grown over the years, but I think the style has been consistent. So you, you put all those things together and I think, that helps, you know, that's helped us stay where we are and be a, had a, a good steady career. And um, we're very grateful to our fans for sticking with us. You know, they've been there. Some of the same fans that we've seen on the first tour, we will still see, you know, people have been coming to see us, some of them, you know, for decades at this point. And then we're always happy to see new faces too. So um, yeah. Yeah. That's the consistency would be the word I would yeah. keep going back to. That's so cool. And you mentioned the like just kind of like seeing the same fans too. And one thing I noticed and also uh what uh I love about Cannibal Corpse was I first probably got into you around like the early 2000s as I started diving into more extreme metal and stopped listening to stuff on the radio, you know. Mm -hmm. But um after my first show, like I've seen to, to just see you guys live every time because there is such a certain, um, I don't know, vibe and energy you guys put out, which you don't get from a lot of bands. And it's almost like um, I live in Toronto. I live five minutes from the mm. Opera House. If I see Cannibal Corpse on the thing, I'm going to go and I know I'm just going to get mm. this rush of like adrenaline and other people all in it in the same thing. And you guys are just killing it and everything. And it's just uh, amazing how you've over all this time too, you haven't slowed down with the live show or the style or anything. It's a, just that consistency, like you said. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's cool that you mentioned the opera house too, by the way, because our first real full tour, we had actually played Toronto a couple times before we played the opera house, but our, the opera house was our first Toronto show that was part of an actual tour. And that was oh, with cool. atheist and gore guts back in, 1992 i think J wow. january or february 92 so we played the opera house and we still play there sometimes you know <laughs> yeah, like no, that's <laughs> just within the past five or six years we played there i can't remember the ex exactly which tour it was but we played there pretty recently you know you're talking about the difference between guys who were you know in the early 20s to guys who are now in their early 50s and that's the big difference because this is an athletic kind of music so we have to um have to pace ourselves a little bit, make sure that we are um, taking care of ourselves on tour. You know, I mean, I used to, you know, we all used to party a bit back in the old days and I, I, I would not, you know, that's a long, long time ago for me, but I, you know, I would not play hungover mm -hmm. in my fifties. I don't know how some guys still do it. Like I'm like, yeah. God, you're in your fifties and you're hitting the stage hungover or whatever. I forget it. So um, yeah, we just make sure we, take care of ourselves health wise and want to be able to do the things that we did 30 years ago and still do it at that level or even better if we can. Um, but yeah, it's very, it's really physical stuff, especially for the, um, the drummers. I think that's going to be interesting to see, you know, like, because this is physical in a way that a lot of other drumming styles are not. So, um, you know, I I'm looking forward to seeing, um, blast beats one of guys in his 70s we'll i'd like <laughs> yeah. i want to see it i haven't seen it yet but i think we will see it 
but um yeah that's so that's the thing we want to keep the intensity just just as intense as ever as it ever was um and i think we're we're still able to do that um and you know hopefully everybody sees it that we're still loving it up there you know yeah it's so cool because i feel like just like <clears throat> in other genres we've seen these legacy bands from hard rock and jazz but you and many others from the 90s and 80s like this is the first wave of death metal legends you know and like you said it's just like drummers wear and tear i believe um um flow from cryptopsy i heard his knees are really bad now <laughs> like and it's just like stuff like that because it's so intense but again to mm -hmm. kudos to you guys because you haven't changed at all like your style or anything yeah so that's that's the big thing for us because you know you're you're gonna change a little bit as a person over the years mm -hmm. you know like um a 52 year old and a 22 year old don't usually behave the same way and athletically speaking they're going to be a little different too so you just you know things change over the years but one thing you don't want to change if you're a death metal band is just being dedicated to making the heaviest best death metal you can you know like if we really weren't into this style or something like that we would just do something else you know or if anybody is interested in other kinds of music we'd always want to do that in a different project or something you know, mm -hmm. we wouldn't want to change what Cannibal Corpse is like going back to that consistency I mentioned earlier. We no matter what, no matter how, you know, you get older, you mellow out a little bit as a person, but we don't want the music to mellow at all. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we want it to be as intense as ever. And hopefully people hear that with the new album and when they see us live coming up. Yeah. And speaking of the new album and also like uh, I notice um, with your band, I don't do this with any other bands, but every time a new Cannibal Corpse album is released, I immediately go to the track list and I want to read the titles of the songs. <laughs> it's just like it's just like a tradition of mine. And I remember like a handful of albums uh, ago, there was a uh, I remember just reading Skewered from Ear to Eye, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait till I get to that one. And this one on uh, Chaos Horrific, uh, I think the one that stood out for me was uh, Pitchfork Impalement, and I'm like, yeah. I can't wait till I get to that one. And uh, that's uh, that's kind of always been a thing for us is to try and you know make titles that immediately get your interest, you know. Mm -hmm. And and we've had some that you know have an element of that kind of black humor to them or whatever that kind you know like like shredded humans or scattered remains, splattered brains from the first album. So it's something we've done right along, really. I mean, not that they were intended to be humorous or something, but it just, you know, sometimes when something's so brutal, it's kind of like, yeah, pitchfork impalement. Well, there's nothing funny about that actually happening, but it's just so brutal to see it written there as a song title. It's like, how else do you react to it? But, you know, yeah. kind of be like, wow, that's, insane you know yeah and I, I always like love like just kind of like seeing like reactions or even like you youtube comments on the latest video uh uh summon for sacrifice which it's brutal 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 video but it, i find like um there's always like the mix of uh people being scared of it or getting it and being like this is fun type of energy you know yeah well i mean like i said you know we don't go for intentional humor or anything like mm -hmm, that yeah. but if when when you're going really brutal with certain things it's going to be kind of a natural reaction and i find that 
the really gory stuff like yeah pitchfork impalement that's an easy one to kind of use as an example for this album um you, you look at other things that are more subtle and they end up being a little scarier from a horror yeah. standpoint you know because it's not so over the top so mm -hmm. some sometimes the more subtle horror is actually more effective horror and we we definitely we kind of run the gamut when it comes to horror. We've got a whole bunch of albums and we don't want to have everything be exactly the same style. So I've used this analogy a bunch of times, but we have songs that are more like the shining or the exorcist. And then we have songs that are more like, you know, evil dead or evil dead two or whatever, you know, like mm -hmm. we got a full range of different types of horror that we cover in our songs, song lyrics, you know, similar to way there's a lot of different types of horror movies. And some of them are, scarier than others and usually the the really gory ones are actually and they're often less scary than some of the more subtle ones yeah that's so true i love the movie analogy too because um like films like your music like when you're listening to a cannibal corpse song for the first time it takes you on a bit of a journey and everything as well if you uh, if you're like following along with whether with the lyrics or just the vibe of the tune too it's uh it's just great stuff and um, thank you yeah even like um with like this longevity of a band uh 35 years i know there's just so much perspective and knowledge you probably gained over all this time being in the industry and is there anything you would have told um a young alex uh stepping into the band cannibal corpse for like the first time of like uh something about this journey that uh he wouldn't have known back in the day oh boy i wouldn't have i didn't know any of it so it's hard to know where to begin you yeah, know I mean, like I so much but... on so many different levels i just all of us really were just learning as we went i would have advised that young version of me to learn more about the business side of things like it's boring you know we're we're musicians we want to make music and go out and have fun playing it but um i there's certain things where I would have liked to have known a little more about the business for our band, but also just for my own stuff, you know, a lot of times you're just happy to be doing it. So you're not thinking about business things. So, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, um, I think a lot of young artists are like that. They're like, yeah, give me the contract. I'm ready to sign. <laughs> you know, yeah, don't even, yeah. don't even need to look at it. Just get me out there, get me recording. And, and I mean, not to say that we haven't had good deals, but just, that's the kind of thing where I feel like, um, at least for me, I kind of went through not knowing as much about it as I could have early in the early days. And it's, it's just good to know what's going on. You know, we all mm -hmm. knew what's going on with our music and everything. That was our part of it, but it, it's good to know what's going on with all of it. So, um, and I, I meet some guys where I'm like, wow, this guy's on top of it. Some of the other bands we've toured with where I'll talk to them, younger guys too. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, so we get this percentage on our t-shirts and we're this and that. And I'm like, good for you, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. I didn't know what the hell was going on when yeah. I first started. They, they also got the advantage of the internet as well too. And getting to listen to like little segments like this too. It's like almost like there's so much schooling that wasn't there before where I feel like, mm -hmm. like just back in the day, it's so interesting times of just like fucking around and finding out type of energy. Yep. Yeah. On many levels, like the business level and really the music too, you know, like now, yeah, there's all these great videos out there and you can get a lot of free instruction if you know where to look on youtube there's a lot of great stuff out there to for whatever instrument you play um and you know like just using bass playing as an example um there was no 
book or really instruction for death metal bass. I mean, when yeah. I started playing, you know, when Cannibal Corpse started, death metal had been around for four, maybe five years, depending on when you say it all started. And um, so I was just kind of try and figure it out. Like, what do you do with this new form of music? There's not, there wasn't some traditional schooling for the guitar, any of the musicians, the vocalists, certainly not for producers. So everybody was learning as they went, you know, and with us, like, and a lot of the death metal bands, we were lucky to find more sound studios mm -hmm. because they really figured out how to make great productions for this kind of music. In my opinion, they were some of the first really great productions in our genre were done at Morris Sound. Um, because I can hear on some of the 80s, early 80s death and thrash that some of these producers, they must have been like, well, what the hell do I do with this music? You yeah, know? yeah. You can tell, you can tell that... <laughs> certain productions ended up being kind of awkward and mm -hmm. so um yeah things have changed now you can be a beginning band and you know go right into a studio or figure it out yourself and do it at home with the way technology is now you know so back then yeah in the 80s it was really we were all just figuring it out and some of the results you know looking back at them you can see wow you know we we had a long way to go but um yeah you know you, you live you live and learn I think what's so cool about you, Alex, too, is like you kind of like pop the question. It's like, oh, like there's no um, death metal like instruction manual or whatever. Like, what do you do? But what do you what you do is become a pioneer of it. You know, you make it mm. your own. And like uh, it's it's such like an exciting time. Like I couldn't imagine I wasn't I was just like a child around that time when you guys started mm. like booming and everything. But um, that must have been just interesting to see how people and crowds react and to, to see the rise in popularity of it as well that's uh that must mm -hmm. have been so cool man yeah it, it really was and nobody knew where things were going to go and you know so for us and many other bands that were around back then are still doing it today you know and, and plus there's been steady development of death metal throughout the past you know 30 40 years is it really 40? I guess, yeah, depending on where you start. A lot of people think, you know, like maybe some of the early death demos and Possessed's first album and that sort of thing. I think that's all around 1983-ish, we're thinking, or even earlier. So we're talking like 40 years of a genre, and it's still around, and there's been steady growth and new bands coming into it throughout the whole time. But um, yeah, in the 80s, everybody was, you know, nothing was established. So it was kind of anything goes, you know, you're Everybody who was doing it, though, I think the idea kind of was that it was going to be sort of a, a dark, horrifying side of of metal, you know, taking those kind of the horror aspect, you know, that was really like some of the movies I mentioned earlier, like The Shining, The Exorcist, those kind of things. I feel like those movies, in a way, may have had a little, a little influence on the genre. Hard to say, but I think... It kind of kind of goes hand in hand in yeah. some ways. And um, yeah, so it was it's cool. It was something new, even for us coming into it a few years after the very beginnings. It was still really new. And um, you could just add whatever you wanted and you can still do that. But it's obviously a lot more established at this point. Mm -hmm, definitely. Even um, I just remember media back in the 90s, too. Like, it was such a vibe of like extreme metal almost being dangerous. And there was like protests and mm. like insane stuff like that. And now like I noticed just like 
in this kind of generation, it's more like people get get it that it's just art and stuff and mm. even the way you guys get promoted and like getting to do all these crazy music videos and stuff which back in the day it must have been so much harder to do and um do you guys like or do you like personally remember like a lot of like fight against like some of that backlash that was going on in the 90s yeah definitely um it's pretty well known, you know, that we've had censorship problems in Germany in particular, and we actually still deal with that sometimes. There's a, I believe, I don't know all the ins and out of it, outs of it, but it's, um, I think they have an index of songs that you're not supposed to perform for people under the age of 18. Most shows over there are all ages, or I um, think maybe 16 and up or something like that. So there are certain songs that in certain cities of Germany, we're not supposed to play to this day. Um, and it seems kind of arbitrary how they enforce it. Like sometimes they're like, oh, it's okay to play these tonight. And then we'll come back to the same city a couple of years later. And they're like, no, can't do. Here's a list of songs you can't do. So it's an ongoing thing still in some places. But I think you're right. Most people get it at this point that mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's another form of horror entertainment. Like, you know, there's violent, horrific entertainment all over the place. There's clearly a large interest in that in the humanity, you know, mm -hmm. human beings are very interested in that kind of thing. And I think that entertainment seems like a pretty harmless way, like horror movies, violent video games, music with violent, horrifying lyrics like death metal and other, other extreme genres. You know, I think it's all, I think in the beginning, the music thing, that was like, something that was kind of hard for people to to understand you know because music is usually or tr tr traditionally and typically was like oh a guy wrote a song about something that happened in his life and now he's singing about it oh, where for man. us we're, we're like writing about things that we would never want to happen <laughs> yeah. and we have no actual relation to <laughs> we're just kind of like yeah let's make a horror story and just make these evil characters and have them do bad things in this song and that's going to be the story um so it's a totally different approach and i think that's part of the reason it was taking so much heat especially back then is there was just a lack of understanding that we were kind of coming at it from the same direction that a horror movie maker would be coming at it from which was a much more accepted medium to get horror out there mm -hmm. you know um, look how mainstream horror is even really gory stuff you know I hadn't so ever really. watched that. I think it's the Hannibal TV show, right? I had never seen that. I, I don't watch horror TV at home very much, honestly. My wife and I don't don't watch that kind of stuff too often. Um, and I had just missed out on that show, and I was watching a little bit um over at Eric's house, but when we were we were working on some music, and um, I was like, this was on TV. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, like it's, the was times like, have changed. Like what? The <laughs> yeah. Fuck? Yeah. yeah, I was like, wow, that's seemed R-rated to me. I, I thought it was really good. The the episode I saw, I was like, wow, that's impressive. And I was like, that was on network TV. Mm. So yeah, the times have changed absolutely, and I think people understand, you know, that horror entertainment, you know. We should all give ourselves enough credit to know that we know the difference between something fictional and something that's trying to instruct you to do something where certainly nobody's trying to do that with horror entertainment. It's just entertainment, fictional, period. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I just feel that vibe and people can easily like check you guys out if they just do a quick like YouTube search or a Spotify mm. where before you had to like know like 
an older kid or a cousin and they te- mm-hmm. take you in the room don't tell anybody i'm showing you the cd and it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like crazy well i mean i think at no point is the cover of butchered at birth or something not going to be gross you know what i mean like there's you could show that to someone in a thousand years and they're still going to be like oh man you know but but knowing where the artist is coming from i think is the big difference like in the like i said in the early days i think people are like oh they're these kind of bands are trying to promote violence and whatever and it's like no not at all so yeah i think that's well understood at this point yeah even like um just kind of just thinking of like your legacy and everything too and um even just in the 90s i feel like it's so interesting because like obviously you guys weren't on the radio or anything but um there's always that one moment i'm sure people like asked you about a million times of jim carrey being a fan and putting you guys in ace ventura pet detective and i feel what's so incredible about that it was like such a big hit but also a lot of people's first time hearing real death metal and mm-hmm. i know i can speak for myself and like all my friends like everybody's seen that movie and i even remember at the time being like yo this is the heaviest band i've ever heard type of thing too <laughs> so that had to like that cosine kind of probably ha- helped a bit in a way oh my gosh yeah i i meet people basically on every tour it seems like since that movie came out i've met people that that was the first time they'd ever seen us you know, like after the show, we'll be talking to fans by the bus or whatever. And there's at least even now, after all these years, people will still come up and say that was the first place they heard of us. So that's one of those luck things that I was talking about earlier, you know, and the answer of how are you guys still around for so long? And, you know, what what do you think? That's a really lucky one that they wanted us to be in that movie. And I believe Jim Carrey was instrumental in us being the band that they chose, you know, so we're you know, very grateful always to him because think about how famous people in music or excuse me, in movies are compared to even really famous musicians. Mm -hmm. Like I think, um, Oh, I don't know. I'm thinking of ACDC lately because I just saw a really great tribute band to them recently. But, um, like think Angus Young can probably go to Walmart and no one's going to bother him. But I think if Robert De Niro goes to Walmart, everybody's going to be like, wow, Robert De Niro's in Walmart you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's that kind of thing. I think just the visual, you know, movies are just so big and for us to be in there, like, you know, I'll be walking through the living room and sometimes Ace Ventura will just be on TV. And I'm like, wow, we're going to be on TV in a few minutes, or maybe the scene was already on or whatever. So it's, it's just reaches so many more people. So yeah, we're really lucky we were in that. That's, it's a big deal. And it, it, you know, we still know it's a big deal after all this time for sure. Yeah. It's, it's just so cool. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of just like another, like just notch on your legacy of like just ways people are going to find you guys and everything. And um, also like uh, speaking of like awesome press, I notice uh, I see George pop up a lot on all these different blogs right now about his uh, claw machine skills Yes, and getting stuffed animals and also donating for charity. And there's all these memes like this is the singer of Cannibal Corpse. And he's got a bunch yeah. of stuffed animals, which I just love. And have you witnessed him work a claw machine? Yeah, he's so good at it. Like yeah. I've, I've seen a, a lot, you know, like we'll go to flying J or whatever. Um, That's, you know, flying J pilot, any of the truck stops. And they usually have the claw machines there by the Denny's area. Like he, I've saw in an interview with him 
where he was talking about that. And um, yeah, they have him at Walmart and stuff. And so I've seen him do it and he's just really meticulous. Like he just has a feel for it and he actually starts pulling prizes out. <laughs> I've played those things a few times. I'm terrible at it. I always end up just grabbing a big handful of air and wasting my money. So I, yeah. I never got into it but... for you to lose. Like this is incredible. Yeah. Like a skill. All, all of the, yeah. All of those stuffed animals are <laughs> from the claw machines. It's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah, it's so cool. And um, outside of music, is there anything that's your thing, like uh, like a hobby or, or anything? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like lately, really the past few years, especially, Um, but I, I'm just really into doing outdoor stuff, like backpacking, hiking. I, I like to run, trail running in particular. That's my favorite. If I can be running on dirt instead of pavement, I'm always happy. Um, And um, yeah, mountain biking a little bit too, although I'm prone i'm accident prone so i have to be careful with the with the mountain bike parks i go to and stick to the easier stuff but um yeah outdoor stuff you know i I live in oregon these days and there's just so much to do right out the front door kind of thing you know within within two hours from where i live you know two hour radius of where i live you can do just about anything you want to outdoors so i I get out there a lot i want to do it well i still can kind of thing (laughs) you know i might you know, not always um, be able to go run or bike as much as I like to now. So I'm, yeah, getting that in, in my spare time. That's my favorite thing to do. And my wife and I travel a lot with our dog and go do those things, you know, like to hike with them and go see new things. So yeah, just getting out and traveling and exploring the outdoors. Yeah, that's beautiful. And probably just so good for your mental health, like uh, after being on tour and just so much like people and energies is coming at mm-hmm. you and just to go out in the woods and like uh, go for a hike and just like breathe yep. and meditate and everything. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I actually I went on a just an overnight backpacking trip last week up in Washington State and it's just it was great. You know, you're just there by yourself. And um, I, I went alone for that one. And so, um, yeah very relaxing it's a different world you know we're all there's a whole lot of different things you can do on this planet you know you can be Mm -hmm. alone or you can be with a whole bunch of people and you can get a have a lot of fun with both things and i think it's good to have a balance you know yeah definitely agree and um just as a final question because i noticed um like with this these type of interview segments i don't just cover music i cover like all sorts of films and everything and a lot of creatives kind of gravitate to this and almost just kind of like send me messages like telling me what they take in here and there and um just as somebody who's seen the perspective of the music industry um and act very active in it right now till this day um would you have any advice for like maybe a new band who's maybe right now they're in the garage doing their thing and they want to take like that first step into uh the world um boy gosh it's it's tough because mm-hmm. as i mentioned luck luck has to kind of be there for most most people to to get out there but um i would say first of all try and get along with each other and don't don't break up the band over little arguments and things you know stick together try and try and be easy to work with one another and then for getting your band out there do a multiple attack you know, don't just rely on one thing like, you know, promoting yourself online, promote online, but also get out there and maybe put some posters up for your shows, you know, go to other band shows, get to know people, do, do shows wherever you can, um, make a personal connection beyond just being online. Both things are important, but, um, I think there's, 
you know, with how much time we all spend online these days, it's that much more potent when you're meeting someone in person, you know, so, so get out there and, you know, yeah, put the posters up and, you know, do the shows, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's great to have videos of your band playing online. That's important and and to promote your shows online, but yeah, get out there, get out there and do as much as you can and yet yeah, attack it from multiple angles. Use every, everything you got in terms of promotion, you know, traditional old school stuff that we did in the nineties, like, you know, handing out physical flyers and hanging up physical flyers and things like that. And then handing out your CDs, maybe have, and then on top of that, do all of the modern stuff that you can, you know, as well, use social media as well as you can. So yeah, multiple track attack and, and try and get along with each other. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's, that's a, that's Hell a big, yeah. that's a big thing. So many good bands break up before they, and they don't realize that they probably could have made it if they had just, put aside some of the arguments and just kept it going Mm -hmm. well said and even just kind of being in the city of toronto and like going to small clubs too some of my favorite bands of the city no longer exist anymore and Mm -hmm. right before something big was gonna happen but again like such sound advice alex and i want to thank you so much for your time uh for being part of my 200th episode uh just a longtime fan um, personally, I wouldn't have this any other way of a uh, 200th episode than to have a legend like yourself and just kind of celebrate 35 years of Cannibal Corpse. Uh, well, thank thank you so much. It's it's an honor and congratulations again on your 200th episode. And um, thank you for the, you know, yeah, it is our 35th anniversary. Honestly, we've been more focused on the new album than even thinking about that anniversary, but maybe for mm-hmm. the 40th anniversary, which we will still be active for, you know, most... I don't see any reason we wouldn't be. So maybe we'll do something big for that. But um, yeah, thank you for having me on here. It was a pleasure. And um, we will be heading up your way pretty soon. So yeah. um, like to, always, you know, and everybody else up there again, it's going to be great. It's a great tour package. You know, one of the one of the best we put together. So we're looking forward to what I've seen, what everybody thinks of this one. It's going to be great. Yeah, and definitely uh, we're going to have like all the, the dates of that on our, our website. And even when the album drops, we'll continue to share it. And uh, yeah, just exciting times for you guys. And uh, yeah, it's just so awesome. I'm excited to see you guys on stage again. Yeah, well, we're so happy to be able to get back out there again. So I'm um, looking forward to it. And thank you again for the interview. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Back at you, Alex. Have a great day, man. Thanks. You too, man. Take care. Take care. Thanks once again to Alex for that fantastic talk. Like we mentioned, the new album, Chaos Horrific, is coming out this week. And I gotta tell you from my early listen, spoiler alert, it is fucking awesome. (laughs) And if you love Cannibal Corpse, you're gonna love this. They just do what they do, and it's so awesome. And it was amazing to pick Alex's brain on the 35-year legacy. I said it in the interview, and I'll say it again. Um, this was such a perfect way to do an episode 200 and if anybody who's known me as like a teenager or in college uh, really knows how much this one's meant to me as a big metalhead and everything and yeah this was just awesome and thank you for listening if this is your first time listening to this show hit the sub button or a follow whether you're on Spotify or YouTube all that jazz You can expect more interviews like this and beyond music with filmmakers of horror, action, comedy, all that. 
And before we go and I start editing episode 201, yeah, we're on a roll. We can't leave without thanking all you other legends on the Patreon page. Always showing your love and support. And first up, we gotta thank Mike Carniello of the Testing with Mike YouTube channel. Check out Testing with Mike if you're into electronics, how they work, and how to fix them. And also, big thanks to the lovely Amanda McKnight of Top 10 Nerd. Also, check out her personal YouTube channel for all things comic books, video games, and everything that is nerdy. Another big thanks to the lovely Jenny Potter, the legend Devin McBride, Ryan frickin' Campbell, our favorite soul singer, Saber, and last but not least, Francis Coffer, aka my mom. If you want to shout out at the end of every episode and also get these episodes early, raw and uncut, right when I'm done the Zoom call, no edits, I just post them, you can go to patreon.com slash the creative imbalance. It's only four bucks a month and beyond having my thanks, you'll get to go to bed at night, sleep soundly, knowing you're a badass motherfucker who supports raw, uncut, independent media. And nobody can take that away from you. You hear me? Like we mentioned, we got more episodes coming your way. Thank you to Alex, Cannibal Corpse, Metal Blade Records for all the years of music. And we will catch you next time. Yeah.